This is the Savvy Investor Radio Podcast with Mike Kinnett, a financial planner and estate planning attorney with a master's degree in taxation, and Ryan Herbert, financial and tax planner and six-time five-star wealth management award winner. Now, the Savvy Investor Podcast. Welcome into the Savvy Investor Radio Podcast. We're glad you're with us. We are constantly bombarded with, Mike and Ryan, what you guys call financial noise. Wherever it is we turn lately, it seems like there's some kind of retirement message for us. Uh, so what do we know? What's true? And more importantly, what's going to work best for us in our particular situation? One of those messages is, I hate annuities and you should too. Annuities get a bad rap. And for the life of me, I don't understand why. And we're going to explore that topic today, variable annuities specifically. So talk to us about that. So when it comes to annuities, shouldn't we be less concerned about what it's called and more about what it does for us? I think so. I mean, if you've ever watched any business channel that talks about investments, if you've ever Googled investments, if if you've ever been on the Internet, if you I mean, you see it all over the place. You know, Ken Fisher runs these ads all over the place and says, I hate annuities and you should too. Mm -hmm. And so you're absolutely right. I get why he says that. I understand his concerns about annuities. But, you know, first and foremost, I would I would warn you as an investor does it make sense to immediately eliminate an entire investment class, an entire investment opportunity, an entire investment universe? Does it make sense to get rid of it just because Ken Fisher said, I hate annuities and you should too? Well, uh, Ryan, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. What is the problem from people like Ken Fisher who think variable annuities are the Antichrist? And, and honestly, I, I mean, even though we are licensed as professionals to use variable annuities, mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time we actually recommended one, but it's not that we don't have them in the arsenal when it comes time to use them. So, but from your perspective, why does he hate them? I mean, I, I would say that Ken Fisher's biggest problem with variable annuities in particular is the inherent fees inside of them. They are typically very high cost, somewhere between three, five, maybe even 6%, because what you're paying for is you're paying for the annuity company to physically run the fund. And that typically costs anywhere from half a percent to 1%. And then there's funds inside of it, investments inside of the, the variable annuity that you're picking and choosing. That's what makes it variable by the fact that it can go up and down. Market. They smell like, they look like, they're run by mutual fund companies. So they look and act a lot like a mutual fund, but technically they're called a sub account. Yeah, they're, they're not called a mutual fund. They're sub accounts and, and they, you know, they have a fee because that fund manager has to make his money somehow. And so, you know, you're probably looking somewhere between 0.75 to one and a half percent and something like that. And then if it has some type of rider, whether it's a, a death benefit where it's saying that no matter what happens, your original premium goes to your beneficiaries or it's locking in a high value, or there's some type of income rider where it's saying, we're going to guarantee this value and, and, and create an income stream for, for some number of years, you're probably looking at one to one and a half percent there. So when you add up all those fees, it becomes a very expensive stock account. If we break down the fees, really what you're talking about is there's what's called a mortality and expense fee. And that can run anywhere from you know, a half a percent, I've seen them as high as 1.5, 1.6%. You have the, the sub-account fee that Ryan was alluding to. And typically they'll tell you that's about 1%, but that's for the management side of it. There's transaction costs, there's 12B1 fees possibly, there's cash drag. So we think that the actual cost of the, the sub-account fee is closer to one and a half, maybe even 2%, depending on the nature of the investment. 
Then there's the riders. And, and you know, as Ryan said, you know, you could be paying anywhere from a half a percent to 1% or more from the riders. I, I just met with a client in, in this last year in 2019 where he was actually an advisor. He was, he's what our industry calls a captured agent. He could only sell his investment vehicles. So like, you know, Bright House and MetLife, their agents can only sell Bright House and MetLife annuities. AXA agents can only sell AXA annuities. And, you know, there's mass mutual agents that can only sell mass mutual stuff. So those people are called captured agents. And and he was a captured agent for one of these companies. And he, he actually listened to, we do a regular radio show program, and he was listening to the radio. We were talking about some tax implications. And he actually came in and sat down and talked to us. And when we looked at his portfolio, his portfolio, because he's a believer in variable annuities, his portfolio was almost exclusively variable annuities. And when I sat down with him and I started to dissect the annuities, he had no ideas. This is a guy who sells variable annuities, and he had no idea about the fees he was paying. And all in, he was paying between 4.05 and 5.35% in fees. Now, I know people say all the time that the stock market does 8, 10, 12%. We know if you go back and do a, uh, because compounding interest is what counts when it comes to my returns, right? It's, it's what's my compounded rate of return. If you go back and look at the stock market, and I don't care if you look at the Dow or the S&P as a barometer, if you look at it, and obviously you can't invest directly into the Dow or directly into the S&P, but it is a barometer. If you look at the internal rate of return, the, the compounded rate of return of the Dow or the S&P from January 1st of 2000 all the way to December 31st of 2018, I mean, that 19-year period, you're talking about 3.5% compounded rate of return. And even if you add dividends in there, even if you generously say dividends are 2 or 3%, you're still talking about 5 to 6% returns, not that eight to 10. So it begs the question, and I think this is part of what Ken Fisher doesn't like, if you're paying four, five, 6% in fees in a variable annuity, and the returns are truly on average, those, those average rates of return are actually somewhere in the neighborhood of five, six, seven percent how are you actually making money? How are you able to take money out to use and still have that account maintain itself or grow. So I think that's some of the reasons why he doesn't like the variable annuity, why why he's such a critic of it, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, variable annuities have their place. You know, it's a tool that used for the right reasons can be wonderful for an investor and used for the wrong reasons, it can be a terrible tool for someone to use. And interestingly enough, there was, you know, MSNBC, I think Susie Orman's on MSNBC, a number of years ago, she was doing a show and someone called in Oh yes! and it, it was uh, a widow called in and she said, our advisor prior to 2008. This was right before the 2008 crash, yeah, right? Before the mm. 2008 crash. She suggested we take all of our money and put it into a variable annuity. And Susie Orman starts shaking her head and doing her, her, her thumbs, thumbs down, down thing. Yep. Yeah. And then she said, and then the stock market crashed in 2008. We lost over 40% of our money and my husband had a heart attack and died. And then she goes, but the annuity company, because it had a death benefit, gave me back 100% of the money that I put in. And then Susie Orman, without skipping a beat, she goes, oh, well, in that case, it made perfect sense out of variable annuity because of the death benefit. And that's the crazy part about it, right? So you can't exclude an entire asset class just because, you know, Susie Orman threw her thumbs down or, or Ken Fisher said, bad idea. Yeah, and... So it's all about finding the the right tool for you 
when it comes to your investments, when it comes to your retirement plan. And and if you want to have an open and honest conversation with, with Mike or myself about what you have in, in your retirement plan and, and what variable annuities do, what index annuities do, how fixed annuities work, you're more than welcome to give us a call at 866-597-1040, 866-597-1040. And you come in, you sit down with Mike and I, you bring in your investment statements and we'll go over everything you have. We'll show you your fees. We'll talk about taxes. We'll talk about an estate plan. We'll talk about annuities with you. We'll give you the the honest pros and cons uh, in a in a low pressure environment. The basic outline of annuity it's a it's a contract that's been issued by some insurance company. You know, and, and like I said, you know, MetLife it used to be called uh, it's Bright House now, but it used to be called MetLife. AXA does it, Mass Mutual does it, American Express, uh, you know, under their Ameriprise has them. I mean, there there are probably at least a hundred or two hundred. Different variable annuity companies, Ohio National, Jackson National. I mean, there are, I think a bazillion is an official term that you can use. There are, <laughs> and, and every one of those companies has five or six different variations of a variable annuity. And so it's important to understand the differences between them, the advantages to them, the disadvantages to them, because some have really cool benefits that might be suitable for, for your particular situation, and others are just terrible. Right. But you won't know unless you actually break it down and look at it. And you won't know whether it's a good tool for you or not unless somebody is approaching it from an unbiased point of view. I mean, obviously, the AXA guy is going to sell you AXA annuities because that's his only solution. You know, obviously, the Ken Fisher approach of the world, and it's not just Ken Fisher. I mean, we use him as a, as a barometer, sure. as, as, a, as a title for a, a certain segment of the investment world. There's a whole group of people out there that say annuities, no matter what, are bad tools. Well, they're not giving you an unbiased opinion. You want to be able to sit down with somebody and say, look, I already bought one of these. What do I do with it now? Well, you know what? Sometimes it makes sense to get rid of it because the fees are so high, but sometimes it absolutely makes sense to keep it. Don't get rid of it just because you saw some commercial or some advisor said, you know, dump it. Or don't get rid of it just because all of a sudden, out of the blue, you get a buyout opportunity from your from your variable annuity that says, hey, we're going to give you this big lump sum of money because sometimes they're trying to get out from a promise that they don't want to keep anymore because you made money on the deal. Well, let's let's talk about that. The living benefits. I mean, that, that was a huge, I mean, that's a huge selling point. A, a lot of these advisors that sell them, and let me just, backtrack for just a minute. Another reason why Ken Fisher has a problem with variable annuities is because most variable annuities, not all, I mean, we use fee-based annuities, but a lot of those variable annuities pay a commission. And so from a a financial planning point of view, from a, a regulator's point of view, and I'm suggesting from Ken Fisher's point of view, his concern, his thought is, is that advisor selling you the variable annuity because it's in your best interest, it's going to accomplish a goal, it's going to fit a need, or is he selling it to you so he can get paid three, five, seven, ten percent, whatever the commission happens to be? Well, my response to that always is that, look, as an advisor, the advisor is going to get paid somewhere, somehow. Is it a commission? Is it an ongoing fee? As long as you know how you are paying your advisor for the advice you are getting and you feel that your the advice you are being given is sound, reasonable advice in your best interest, 
it should not matter to you how the advisor gets paid as long as he is looking out for your best interest. You know, when you go to a doctor, does it matter to you which insurance company is paying them? Do you ma- do you care whether your insurance company is paying them or the that you have to pay them out of your pocket? I mean, I, I would argue that most of us want our insurance company to pay the doctor, and I don't want to pay anything out of pocket. My point being is, is the advisor is going to get compensated somewhere somehow. You know, for for somebody like Ken Fisher that charges an ongoing fee, if you have a hundred thousand dollars to invest, somebody charges an ongoing fee, he's much happier getting. One 1% or 2% per year for the next 10 years. Whereas somebody who gets a commission, yeah, he might get 5% all up front, but that's all he gets. Then he's done with a commission. And then the question is, does he still have a relationship with you? Is she still servicing you and still taking care of you? And that's where it comes down to the person is going to get paid. How they get paid is a, is a conversation you need to have with your advisor, but know that it doesn't matter if it's a, the Ken Fishers of the world, if it's a, a, the, the annuity salesman people of the world, they're going to get paid for giving you the advice. And at the end of the day, just make sure that advice is in your best interest. Now, I, I mean, I made this digress there, but let's come back to that point that you were making. Yeah, a lot of the, the annuities out there, whether they're index annuities or, or variable annuities out there, they all have some type of additional router you can put on it, which is an, an income benefit, an income router. And it says that, you know, if your account grows to X amount by the anniversary date, we're going to lock in that value so that, you know, we're protecting some money you have, or they're saying that we're going to grow your money at a, a compounding rate of five, six, seven, eight percent a or year. Or even a simple rate of return. Yeah, it could be just simple. simple interest. So we're going to guarantee to grow it for so many years so that at some point in the future, you can start taking income. Well, some of these older variable annuities that Mike and I see when, when people bring them in is they really rode the wave up to 2008 and it got to a real high point and that value got locked in. So now they have a very high protected value. And in this one case with one of my clients, he put in about 200,000 and it grew to about $550,000 by the time 2008 happened. Well, then the market dropped. So all of a sudden his account value went right back down to around 250,000, but he still had a protected value of five hundred and fifty thousand, and and that that protected value that account value it can be very convoluted and and confusing, which is why it's so important that the the advisor, the person you're working with, that's explaining these things to you, that he can show you in, in a clear and concise manner what does it mean to, that the account value. Well, the account value is your actual investment, your actual cash, that guaranteed value, that rider value, whether it's whether it's a a death benefit or an income benefit, whatever that rider value is, that's kind of an esoteric made up number from the perspective of that's not a number you can walk away with. And in Ryan's example of, you know, the the count went up to 500 or 550,000 and that was a locked in value. He can't walk away with 550. He can walk away with 250 in this situation, but that 550 is just a number that we base an income stream off of. And that's important to understand because I think, again, one of the problems Ken Fisher has, these things are horribly convoluted. I go back to the conversation I had about the, the annuity sales guy that, I, that became a client. He didn't even understand. He had an annuity that he was able to take income off of. That he sold himself. That he sold himself until age 85. And he didn't realize that age 85, that nest egg, that that locked-in value, disappeared. At age 85, there was no value to the contract whatsoever. All he had going forward from age 85 on was an income stream. The death benefit that he thought he was going to leave his family was gone. The cash value, gone. All that's left is an income stream. He turned it into automatically forced 
forced to turn it into just income. He gave all the principal to the insurance company at that point, lost everything. And he's an annuity salesman and he did not understand. So again, another example of what why Ken Fisher doesn't like him, horribly, horribly convoluted, which is why it's so important that when you're sitting down, when you're looking at these things, you have to have somebody who is truly unbiased. So they'll look at the pros and cons but truly also understands how these things work and, and is not afraid. I mean, I can't tell you how often I've had to get on the phone with the client in my office and had to get on the phone with the, the insurance company who writes the annuity to ask those people, explain to me some of these little nuances because the client was told something completely different by the advisor who sold it to him. So another reason why Ken Fisher hates them, convoluted. Hmm. Doesn't mean they're the wrong tool. It just means that if you're going to buy one of these things, you need to take a little extra time to make sure you understand how it's going to work in the plan and why it's going to work in the plan. Now, Mike, for those listening to this podcast who aren't in the Maryland, D.C. area, which you guys have three offices at Pro Status Financial, North Bethesda, Towson, and Hanover, you also have offices in Florida as well. But for those that can't actually you know, physically go see you, can you remotely connect with them and go over their situation over the Internet and using technology? Yeah, absolutely. If, if if somebody wants to, you know, reach out to us by phone, they can call the offices at 866-597-1040. But, you know, in today's society with the technology that we have, we have clients all over the country so that we can do this remotely. You can be sitting in your bunny slippers in Napa <laughs> Valley drinking a nice glass of, you know, some fancy cab or, you know, there's some great, actually some great white wines out there as well. But you could be out in California in your bunny slippers um, at six o'clock in the morning, your time. It's nine o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. We can look at this stuff. We have encrypted um, drop boxes that we can put stuff in so we don't have to worry about people stealing your information. Heck, mm-hmm. when we're reviewing stuff, we don't even need account numbers. We just need to see the investment vehicles so that we can we can give feedback to them. But, you know, I, I think as we're, as we're you know, kind of wrapping up the, the idea of does a variable annuity, and we're strictly talking about variable annuities. You know, if you if you read Susie Orman's books, she's okay with index annuities. She's okay with immediate annuities. She just takes variable annuities. When you know, when you look at the the Ken Fisher information that gets sent out, he's really about I hate variable annuities. He doesn't talk a lot about the other types of annuities. But there's really one other big reason, that, and I think this is one of the things that the regulators get so upset about that people don't truly understand. It's really all about the. It's a, it's really about the. The, the surrender charges. Right. These, are, these are really long-term investments. And that's something that people don't really think about. They're not really told uh, so much when they buy them is that you're committing to leave your money with this insurance company for five, seven, six, 10, even 15 years is how long your money has to stay there. And what that really means is I'm putting in $100,000. They're guaranteeing it's going to grow at, at X amount percent or, or whatever they're saying it's going to do. But if I want to take out any money, they're going to charge me a huge penalty if I take out anything more than what they say. And so what they say is you can take out 10%. Typically 10% is the norm. Of your value per year. So if I put in $100,000, I can take out $10,000. But keep in mind, if you take out 10%, that might be more than, that. that's a contract value, but that might disrupt those writers, those guarantees we were talking about. Yeah. Again, convoluted. Yeah, and so what it's saying is if you take out more than that 10%, they're going to whack you with some type of fee you know, I've seen the fees in the very first year as high as 20% and then it, it starts to fall off. But that's one of those things where you have to know exactly what you're doing. You have to know exactly 
why you're putting your money in there. And you certainly don't want to put a hundred percent of your money in there. Like that story Never. from yeah. Susie Orman, because what happens if, you know, the roof blows off the house or the car blows up or, or you have some type of emergency and you've tied all of your money up for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. That's a problem. That's one of those things that most people don't really think about. And the general rule of thumb for if you're going to use an annuity, if it if between you and the advisor who's recommending the annuity, if you decide an annuity, and I don't care if it's a fixed annuity, a fixed index annuity, and we'll talk about those on a different podcast or a variable annuity, it should be a specific number based upon a plan. It shouldn't be just because you can put 200000 in or 100000 into a variable annuity. There's no reason to put money into a variable annuity unless it's part of a sound financial plan. And, and, and I also think one of the other issues that I don't think necessarily Ken Fisher addresses it as much as I think he should. I don't think it's brought up as much. But with us being such tax sounds, with taxes being such a big thing for us, one of the things that I see with clients coming in it absolutely drives me crazy when I see a variable annuity that somebody has put non-qualified. I'm talking about after-tax dollars into a variable annuity. Now, the idea with a variable annuity is it kind of acts like an IRA from the perspective of when you put your money into it, you don't pay tax on it. So any of the growth, you don't pay tax on it until you actually use the money. But like an IRA, when you take it out and actually use the money, you pay ordinary income tax on the growth. And you have to take the growth out first. You can't take your principal out. You have to take the growth out first. Now, there's little rules on how to you know, get the growth out and the principal out together. But for most people, that's not a good idea. But the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, that, that tax bite is, is postponed. But when you take it out, you have to pay ordinary income tax on it. And just like an IRA, if you're under 59 and a half, you pay a 10% penalty for taking it out. So those things are all important factors, and it absolutely drives me crazy when I see something that an investment vehicle that could have been at capital gains rates. And remember, folks, if you've ever listened to our other podcasts, if you listen to our radio show, if you've been in to see us, we're all about taxes. Capital gains rates are between zero and 20%. Now, I want you to remember that, zero. You can have capital gains rates of 0%. You can never get money out of an annuity. The gains of an annuity never comes out at 0% tax. It does not happen. It's subject to whatever tax rate you happen to be in. And that means you're paying ordinary income tax on that. And that, to me, that's a shame to take money that was tax efficient, that could have been tax free and making it taxable. It just drives me crazy. And most advisors who are selling these types of products don't understand the, the tax consequences. And a couple of weeks ago, I had someone come into my office for taxes and she handed me these 1099s from her annuity company. And she explained to me that my dad passed away and I inherited these these variable annuities. And my advisor, the people who sold these to my dad said, oh, we can put all the money over here in this account. But if you're not sure about what you want to do, just go ahead and take the distribution, put all the money in your bank account, and we'll wait 30 days before you can put it in so you can think about it. Oops. Oops. Mm. Oops. She, she told me, she said, they told me I'm not going to pay any taxes on it or, or, or I can reverse it. And I said, that's not really how it works. But yes, they did withhold taxes. But I'm telling you, this is not going to be enough money in taxes. So the overall distribution she took out was about 250000 About $100,000 of that was actual gain. So in the end, just the simple decision that she made to take all the money out and put it in her bank account before talking to a tax advisor or someone who understands the tax consequences cost her about $25,000 wow. in taxes. And the, fa- and the fact that the advisors 
are giving them recommendations and they don't understand the tax implications, that's absolutely, that's unforgivable. There is no excuse. Our industry is all about making sure that you're giving sound advice. You know, there's, there's lots of regulators that look at insurance guys that only sell insurance and saying you cannot give advice on liquidating an IRA, liquidating a 401k because it's investments and you're not licensed to give recommendations on investments. How can you give advice to sell something? How can you give advice to take money out of a tax deferred account if you are not also giving them advice on what the tax implications are? It's absolutely crazy the problems that you run into and, and, you know, kind of bringing us in full circle, you know, I hate variable annuities and you should too. Yeah. I get why people say that they're horribly convoluted. They can be expensive to own. The surrender charges can be just absolutely crazy. The tax implications can be bad. I mean, there's all sorts of moving parts to these variable annuities. And unfortunately, most advisors don't understand them. Most tax people don't understand them. And certainly the investor frequently doesn't understand them. Now, I disagree that I hate variable annuities and you should too. I disagree with that as a, as a blanket statement. I think what you should do is I don't understand variable annuities and I need to talk to somebody who's unbiased and will explain them to us. Give us a call at 866-597-1040, 866-597-1040. If you have a variable annuity, I don't care where it is. You don't have to do business with us. We will do what's called an annuity x-ray. We will dissect the thing. We'll tear it apart and we'll tell you exactly what it's doing, why it's doing. You don't even tell, have to tell us why you bought it. You show it to us. We'll tell you what it's doing, why it's doing, what the cost is, what it can do for you, what it's going to do against you, what your options are. And then you can say, yeah, it's doing what I thought it was going to do or whoa. That's not doing at all what I thought it was going to do. And at least you can make an informed decision to move forward in any direction you want to do. Give us a call, 866-597-1040. And Mike, before we wrap up this podcast, uh, folks can get a hold of you guys and do this annuity x-ray wherever they are listening to this podcast. You, can, you guys can do that remotely. Correct. Anywhere. It doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, depending on what state or country you happen to be in, Ryan and I are amenable to, I don't know, if you're parts of Hawaii. Will you go to Hawaii, Ryan? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I'd go to Hawaii. <laughs> we, we, we love playing golf in Colorado. We're all about that. Um, if you have access to, I don't know, someplace in Scotland to play golf, we'd go meet you there. Nice. Yeah. Right? right? But, if you, but if you're in up north, uh, probably not going to come visit uh, Yeah, I'm so not much. going to Minnesota, no offense, but we can do it. Yeah. And you know what? You, you love to surf, so any place in the South Pacific where we can surf, right? Mm-hmm. That would work. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're open to online. We're open to coming to the office. We're open to possibly even coming to visit you. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks again, guys, for, uh, for giving us this great information. And thank you for listening to the Savvy Investor Radio podcast. Wherever it is that you get your media, you can find the Savvy Investor podcast. Stay with us. Lots more episodes to come. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Savvy Investor Radio Podcast, brought to you by ProStatus Financial. For more info on Mike and Ryan, to schedule a consultation or upcoming workshop and radio showtimes, go to thesavvyinvestortv.com. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Mike Kinnett and Ryan Herbert are not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products. Insurance licensed in Maryland.